This is episode number 73 of the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, I had the honor to talk with Aaron Schust about his latest project, The Heart of Worship Leading, and just so much other great stuff. We're going to hop right into it with the Church Collective Podcast, episode number 73. Doxology is the name of my new album, and this is, this is 10 years for me doing what I've called road ministry or public ministry. Um, uh, maybe not public ministry. You know, Jesus, whenever he, he traveled around the countryside, he called it his public ministry. And it was referred to as that. And at least we do these days. We refer to Jesus' public ministry. Uh, I was leading worship at a church in Atlanta before I started recording my own songs for a few years. Um, but it was August 23rd, actually. August 23rd of 2005, 10 years ago, that my first album was released for the world to critique. <laughs> That's the scary thing, right? Um, so it's interesting. Today is a day that I'm, that I'm unleashing a, a bunch of worship songs that have been near and dear to my heart and my church's heart. A lot, of, a lot of them, not every single one of them, have we done at my church. There's quite a few that I'm thinking these would really work well, and I've just yet to introduce them. Yeah. Um, but over the years, it's it's kind of a cool thing how how songs are, are are near and dear to to you personally and to the people around you, and then comes the day that you unleash them with fear and trembling for the world to give their opinion, right? Sure. <laughs> well, what kind of response have you been getting for like the music? Say, like you've been doing these for a while out on on the road. Like, are there specific songs that people are like, "Wow, where is that? Why? Like, how can I get a hold of that one?" Um, well, the first one, I'm th- this, uh, I wrote 36 songs for this record, thinking, okay, I'm going to pick 10. Sure. Uh, but I fell, in, I fell in love with two songs that I did not write that I thought, I'm willing to give two, two more of my babies the chopping block <laughs> to, in order to record these tunes. One of those is called Oh Praise, uh, written by um, Michael Farron, Christy Nordoff, and Riley Aaron out in California. Yeah. And uh, it's this fantastic song. It was, we had this writer's retreat where a bunch of us worship leaders and writers got together, and we would write after breakfast, and we'd mix up again. We'd write with other people after lunch. And then in the evenings, we actually got together, and we would perform some of our favorite songs from the day before. So we were there for a whole week. Mm. And the mornings at morning devotions, we're all huddled around our morning coffee, and we would try to remember the songs that we wrote yesterday. You know, we'd, we'd play them for each other just with acoustics in a circle. Um, and I remember them playing this song, and everybody knew it was special. Hmm. So, Oh Praise, the only one. Um, it kind of has this, uh, you know, not necessarily Celtic, but something Northern European in its, in its sound. Uh, it feels old. It kind of has that hymn meter to the, the words, sure. this thick, theo- thick theology, and the... Uh, well, my, the, the chorus goes, Oh, praise the only one who shines brighter than a thousand suns. Death and hell call him victorious. Praise him. Hmm. <laughs> I love, when I heard that, I'm like, whoa, there we go. That's heavy. There we, <laughs> even death and hell call him victorious. They have to because he is. Yeah. And so, so many songs on this album have to do with that theme of ultimate victory. You know, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Yeah. And then the after party breaks out and we all go crazy praising and worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Sure. And so we try to capture that theme. Right. Maybe speak a little bit to like putting that that much depth into your theology in, in a song. Like could you speak a little to where, where your head's at when you when you are looking towards doing that rather than, you know, kinda of keeping it surface or like yeah, maybe speak to putting that much in there. Yeah, there's there's no I have no room, I have no desire to, to slam one style over the other. I've done both myself, um, of just keeping things surface, writing about my own spiritual journey in very artistic terms that people might not even get, but it's cool when they do get it. Um, but uh, when I started leading worship 
right after, actually in college. I remember when I was in college, uh, we would have chapel every, it was a Christian college, Tacoa Falls. We would have chapel every day, Monday through Friday, for 40 minutes. Hmm. We would sing a couple hymns up front, and somebody would come speak, give a message, and we would all go back to class or lunch. I think it might have been my senior year that the, the, uh, the, the campus pastor, so this, we're talking 1996, 97, a while ago, came to me and said, hey, we want to start doing some praise and worship um, while the students are walking in, hmm. and we'd like you to do it. Now, I mean, I was a piano minor, a vocal major, and this was not my area of comfort, let alone expertise. Um, and I pushed back. I was like, this is not, that's not really what I do. I don't really feel comfortable doing that. And he yeah. said, well, I think you, I think you should. And so we, we played that game for a little bit, and finally I acquiesced and, and kind of fell in love with leading worship. Um, the, the words need to be, in my opinion, the words need to be clear to communicate what it is we're saying. You know, we're asking people to join us, and you know this. Uh, I've, I've seen you. I've been led by you. And I thoroughly enjoyed your <laughs> I leading. I told that. you yeah. afterwards. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy gets it. And the words that we're about to let fly out of our mouth, need, we need to know what we're saying, you know, because we're, we're presenting them to the King of Kings, and he lives within the praises of his people. Um, and so uh, it's, it's not only about praising God. I had, a, I had a, a dear friend who uh, was just going through a tough time, a musician, and he said, man, don't you think God knows who he is? Do we have to keep telling him? Hmm. And I was like, what? This is good. This is making me think <laughs> about why we sing what we sing. Because yeah. of course he knows who he is. He commands us to praise. He tells us to sing new songs, and he, and again, he inhabits the praises of his people. But I thought, boy, more than that, um, or at least maybe, maybe and I'll say this, in addition to that, it's so good for me to be reminded of the truth of who God is. Because when I'm going through just the blahs, and whenever, whenever life's circumstances are, are making me fix my eyes on myself and on the circumstances, I need to be reminded of who God is. So that's where the theology, hmm. accurate, just good, good theology comes so important. If I'm going to let words fly out of my mouth on a Sunday morning or into my ears on a Tuesday afternoon, it better be reminding me of truth. Yeah, that's super important. Talk to you, you touched on your background. Maybe speak a little bit towards your musical education and how that's played a role in your songwriting and worship leading. I'm sitting in front of a piano. This is my first... Well, this is a clavino. It doesn't quite count, but, it, you know, hey, it works. Um, I started taking piano lessons when I was seven. Um, grew up in a house where uh, music was always playing. My mom was the um, volunteer music director at, at our church here in Pittsburgh. And I've moved to Georgia, spent 17 years in Georgia. I've moved back to this church because it's, it's my church family. I actually walked past the original church building last night with, with my, uh, my elders. We did a little prayer walk wow. before we started our meeting. Uh, back in the 40s, where my um, my grandmother, right after my grandfather died in World War II, my grandfather came to faith. My grandmother came to faith uh, through this very same church. Hmm. Um, so, uh, just growing up in a church in a, in a home full of music uh, and taking piano lessons. I sang my first solo in church on a Sunday night when I was three. I don't even remember that, obviously, hmm. um, but it's always been a part of my life. Um, and going off to college, I wasn't quite sure. I was actually a youth ministries major for the first couple of years, semesters. And then I thought, um, I don't like camping. So maybe, uh, 
my job will probably surely involve sleeping on the. I camped up and we pitched the tent in the backyard with my boys two nights ago. My back still hurts. <laughs> I'm like, oh, once, once a year, man. Yeah. Um, but I switched to it. Uh, music was always a hobby, and it never crossed my mind that I could actually get a degree in it. Mm. Um, and so I switched to music education. Yeah. Um, high school chorus focus because I loved chorus in high school. So I thought, well, we'll just focus on that. And so I had to get a piano minor. But it was it was during those college years that it was like after I would go to the practice room and I would do all my scales and everything I had to do, then I'd start messing around and I would try to play October by U2 because it was such a beautiful piano song or yeah. whatever I heard, I would try to play that. I began writing songs and then I got employed at a church and I began writing songs for the church. And to see that response, I, we started to talk about this earlier, but to see that response from people, they weren't just listening to my songs, they were engaging with the Lord via my songs, yeah, and that was that was life changing. That's really cool. So, you are you doing worship leading at this church that you've moved back to now as well? Mm-hmm. I, I moved back in 2010, and I think I started um, leading worship there uh, around Christmas of that year. Okay, so it was even cool to go back and just be led for months until they said, Hey Aaron, would you would you help us out with this thing? And I said, Yeah, I would. So I'm I'm the music ministry leader, they call me. Um, okay. which means I take care of planning center and making sure that everybody, <laughs> everybody knows when to show up and right. everyone's minded when to show up and what to play and yeah. uh, it's it's fun. I, I it's almost like making a puzzle when we when you kinda get to look at the calendar for the next four months and figure out who needs to be where and right. uh, it's time consuming, but man, I love planning center. It keeps things easy. And so the, there's the, the those um those kind of details, but we, we it's a really it's a smaller church. Uh, it's we're coming up on a hundred years uh, in a few years. I th- uh, twenty eighteen will be one hundred years, and we've got about two hundred uh, two hundred twenty mem- uh, people that come. About one hundred thirty members, maybe. Hmm. Um, and it's just you know it, it forces us to to keep worship pure in the sense that the music is going to be simple. You know, we don't have an electric guitar player. We never have. We just, we're going to be losing a percussionist, uh, a, a young guy who plays percussion and acoustic guitar, and his family's going to be moving to Florida. And people come, people go. Yeah. Uh, any given week, you never know what you're going to have. Yeah. And, and we place a value on, on the, the purity of the worship, not having to have drums, bass, electric, you know? Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's forced us to be able to stretch. Yeah, that's got to be encouraging for people listening that are probably struggling with their drummer canceling on them right now. And like, well, if Aaron Schutz is playing there without somebody... Hey, if we, if, if we and my, that means worship leader, worship team, congregation, pastor, if we can't worship if the drummer cancels, then something more deeply rooted is wrong. Yeah, right. that's a good point. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. speak a little bit to, um, like, how are you involved in, like, discipleship? Do you have other worship leaders that you give opportunity to lead, or is it mostly you with the, the size of the team there? There's a, there's, well, I'm very blessed. The size of our church There's another guy. His name's John Jordan. He's been actually, I mean, like I mentioned that my, my history is very deeply rooted with this church, but since I've been uh, in Georgia, he's actually been there longer than I have. He does small group ministry, and he's a very gifted worship leader is my point. And he's been be- beginning to write songs now uh, that are just fantastic and blessing the church. So when I'm on the road, um, you know, he's he's always there to lead. There's another guy, Craig, who plays piano, another gifted worship leader. Uh, we don't have any female worship leaders, um, and that's definitely a hole. You know, I really wish that we could have that that fill it every once just just to sing the songs in in different keys. You know, right. uh, and to have that sensitivity. Um, 
Uh, and uh, I mentioned the guy who's who's moving away, our percussionist uh, Chase, who de- I definitely feel uh, that he has the. He, I, I feel like if he pursued this, he'd be a very gifted worship leader. Yeah. And so uh, every once in a while, as schedule allows, we've been we've been getting together and just trying to play some songs together and mm. and uh, and talk about chords and changing and playing through worship songs. And uh, it's it's cool to see. I mean, shoot, I didn't pick up a guitar in that capacity until I was in college. So here's a guy who's you know 15 and already a better guitar player than I am. Uh, and you start to see that. And my wife's very perceptive. She's like, man, I think he'd be a great worship leader. So you try to pour into those people. You know, you, I, have, I have Pauls in my life to my Barnabas, and I try to be a Paul. Or, a, you know, Barnabas and Timothys and Pauls. And right. You have yeah. those relationships. Right? Yeah. How, um, I guess, like brass tacks of worship leaders in there, you got any advice for, like, what are, you, what are you looking for in people? You know, whether church context or in your band or, like, what, what is it that you're looking for? Like, okay, this looks like a person that you know, seems to get it. Like, maybe let's take them to the next step. It's an interesting question. In Western Pennsylvania, um, we always said that sports is king. You know, we, we crank out some some NFL players every couple of years and uh, high school sports. We, we're getting ready for the Friday night lights. Um, it's, it's a religion around here. Music uh, is not too often is it poured into, so the musicians are few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they pop up, of course, it's really easy to just be like, oh, you play something? Come on, come on up on stage. Yeah. Um, and we, we don't have a hard, fast um, – if someone is going to be speaking from stage, if someone's going to be exhorting the audience, we want them to be a member um, and have gone through membership classes. And, you know, uh, I, I, th- I think – Elders, as an elder, this hasn't come up since I've been on the elder board just the past couple of years. But we we definitely want to make sure that we are in approval of the people who are going to be sharing from the platform, mm-hmm. whatever they feel like sharing. Sure. Uh, when it comes to, uh, I'll speak for myself, um, and I've, I've I dealt with this when I was working at a large church in Atlanta. Um, our position was that. Uh, same thing, speaking thing needed to be a member. But if somebody like we had a bass player that came, and uh, he was not a believer, uh, but he came to faith through his time leading worship as a bass player. Now, he's standing in the back. He's just playing really, really good bass. You know, he was, he was incredible. And he allowed people, and some people definitely had a problem with, man, he's not even a believer, and you have him on stage. And I, I respect that. I get that opinion. I've, in my, I've just, in my personal experience, I've seen people come to faith through being on a worship team. Yeah. Um, if it were a vocalist, I think I would have a bit... I think I would have a problem with that. And yes, I just have to have a check in my spirit. I can't tell you to turn to 2 Timothy and here's why. Hmm. Um, but uh, there's something about having a microphone and a lot, like, like we talked about earlier, when the words come out of your mouth, you want to be able to embrace and believe them. And if I knew that that person on stage who's singing praises to God, is that, I, would, I would feel a little weird about being in charge of, of, of that. Yeah. If that's, I'm not sure if that's where your question was going, but hopefully that's intriguing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that that's that's especially the you know having a non-believer on the platform. That's definitely like a hot button issue for a lot of things. Yeah. Like, really, like I dig the way you delineate, like at least like proclaiming with your mouth, and you know maybe the base. But I, I've seen it too, having people on the platform that aren't necessarily living the way they need to live and you know a lot of times you don't even quite know everything you need to know about everybody's life and but to right. see god work through having them just kind of rub shoulders with other worship leaders that's it's huge and i'm not yeah. saying that's my theology right sure. now if, if someone's <laughs> listening to this going man aaron's wrong well, that's you're it. Right. yeah 
We can have a lively discussion on Twitter or something about it if anyone's hearing this. We'll come up with some pithy hashtag about it and we can go with it. Keep, keep it kind. <laughs> well, cool. So um, what's coming up next for you? Well, this is uh, this has been a, a little of a, a bit of a slow year for me intentionally. Uh, Ten years for me on the road. I just wanted to take some time to uh, to, to be uh, to be still. Uh, I opted not to do a spring tour. We're right now in the process of putting together a fall tour uh, with this new album. Jared Anderson and I are going to go out together and uh, do another Christmas tour, looking at identifying some cities already and and some choirs and orchestras, if possible, to work with them for these Christmas songs and. Yeah. And then we'll see what next year holds, you know. Um, I'm Honestly, I, I could give you more of those kind of answers, but I am personally and spiritually learning to make sure, you know, I, this year is I wanted, to, I wanted to abide intentionally this year and be more Mary and less Martha. Mm. Do more sitting at the feet of Jesus and trusting Him with the details. Now, we need to do the due diligence of the work before us, you know, kind of like the parables of the, the master that goes away and he gives tasks to his servants. And when he comes back, I've always said, if, I, if God, no matter how many talents you've given me, I just want to make sure I don't bury those talents. I want to double those talents. When you come back to check on me, I want to make sure, I want to be able to report that the talent you gave me has been doubled. Uh, we're called to be shrewd yet innocent. I want to make sure that my dealings and my work is innocent, but I want to make sure I'm working hard to do what God's called me to do. At the same time, I want to, I want to be more merry. I want to, I want to make sure, it was it Martin Luther that said, I have so much to do today, I think I shall have to spend the first three hours in prayer. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And there are times I'm thinking, man, I have so much work that needs to be accomplished, whatever that looks like. Mm. Um, I need to make sure that I am um, loaded up on prayer and loaded up on the peace of the Lord yeah. and loaded up on the joy of the Lord. Um, right. uh, that's such an important thing. The hashtag's going around five minutes, five minutes with Jesus or five minutes with Bi- <laughs> whatever. I'm like, yeah. I need... I need a lot more than five minutes. Right. And that's not that's not me being pious. That's me being honest. I I need a lot more than five minutes if I'm gonna be of any value yeah. during the day. So is that more of a an intentional you wake up in the morning and like, man, I got all this to do, but I'm gonna just set that aside for now. You know, do you sit down with your Bible, a cup of coffee and just kinda of read until you feel like God's like let you settle in on that? Um, I ch- it's not a it's not a set time. Uh, yeah. I'm getting up at seven o'clock, which is crazy early for an artist. <laughs> uh, but I've been loving it. You know, in the summer months, I'm in Pennsylvania, nice and cool in the mornings before it gets hot. Um, we've been going through a little cool front actually the past couple of days. So it's been nice to sit out in the front porch and the, it faces east. The sun comes up and. I try to do that first before all the kids wake up and, and get noisy. And I have my I have my devotionals that I that I, I go through daily light, which is all just pure scripture. Uh, Charles Spurgeon's Morning by Morning, mm. and uh, and I have my my ESV Bible and my Message Bible sitting right there. So there when something go. jumps off the page, you know, I'll, I'll go th- I'll go to both. I go to the ESV first, and I'm like, I wonder how the message. I wonder how Eugene Peterson would say that, or maybe it's the other way around. I'm like, what in the wor- Eugene? What are you thinking? What, <laughs> What does that even mean? Right. And so I go back to ESV. And it's good to compare both of those. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of haphazard, honestly, because if the kids wake up early, then my time's kind of come to a close. But I'm glad they see me doing that. You mm. know, I have to do the discipline of, of of doing that before I go grab the paper at the end of the driveway. Yeah. You know? And when I do read the paper, I'm re- I'm trying to to say, you know, God, what what's going on in the world today that I can pray for? You know, right. even in our own government and in the Middle East, how can I pray for what's going on there? But but above and beyond that, uh, and this is the this is the beauty of 
of not working in, in, the, in the marketplace nine to five. I'm working at home. Whenever I, I come back in, I have my breakfast. I don't have an office here. I have, I have a guest room downstairs, and I'll shut the door. And before I dive into my emails, I spend an, I spend an hour in prayer. And maybe that's reading. Maybe that's interceding for other people. Mm. Um, that's important. That, that, um, that's, I'm growing to embrace that, not just praying for me and, oh, God, let this record sell. But <laughs> Cole Norderman's coming out with a record today. I pray that that record sells. I yeah. pray that she is able to take these songs of hers and just praying for other people and praying for other ministries. Yeah. Um, and, and looking more toward the interest of others and not yourself. And that selflessness is, um, you know, just spending, spending that time with God. Um, uh, more than my morning devos, but the, actually spending a bit of my work day saying, God, the first hour is yours. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, head over to thechurchcollective.com and connect with us. We want to connect with you, and we want to connect you with others. God bless you today.